0: Coming, so you run. Run for
1: your mother, Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Oscar Watch Podcast, the podcast where we look back at past best pitcher winners for your reconsideration. I am your host on this scorching, sweltering, hot summer day, Stephen Bugia, and joining me, Amy Thomason. Amy, you keeping cool down there?
2: I'm trying to, and I have to give a very quick shout out to our friend from Canada who posted a letter from the great Alfred Hitchcock to the great Billy Wilder about how wonderful the movie The Apartment was and how he felt compelled to let him know how great it was. Michael from Canada, you're my BFF in Canada. You're amazing. Thank you. It made it made me a very happy podcaster. Know,
1: there's no accounting for taste. Even the greats get it wrong from time to time. But we are not here to rehash our differences on The Apartment. Of which I am very no, glad that we not. were not on the same episode for that, or uh, I think our I think our friendship would have ended in in bitterness and tears and crying and anger.
2: We made it we- through American Hustle and Lincoln. I think now.
1: <laughs> now, now we now we stay the course. Now we are talking for your reconsideration. The 1975 Best Picture nominee, Dog Day Afternoon, because it's hot, people. It's it's. It's a, it's a bad summer and we just are feeling it's it's a little it's a little sweltering. We just gotta it's gotta feel it. Dog days of summer, dog day afternoon. The film is directed by Sidney Lumet, written by Frank Pearson, based on the article by P. F. Cluge and Thomas Moore in Life Magazine, which itself was based on a real event that occurred on August twenty second, nineteen seventy two, in Brooklyn. The film stars the one and only Al Pacino. John Cazale, Charles Durning, Lance Henriksen, Chris Sarandon, and James Broderick. And Amy, what is your history with this film?
3: I don't
2: remember the first time I saw it, but I remember it, of course, knocked me off my feet. And I've seen it several times and every single time. It's just, it does, it just blows me away. That Al Pacino, we say he's great, we know he's wonderful, but you almost forget just how good he is until you sit down and watch one of these movies and you're like, damn, Al Pacino. Yeah.
1: And not just Al Pacino. This is 1970s Al Pacino. Yes. This is him. He's 20, 30-something. He's at the top of his game and he uh He's got commands two
2: godfathers. Screen. You yeah. know,
1: in the can. Serpico. Oh. He's he's just like every like all the all the movies you associate with Al Pacino. It's like The just,
2: Sidney Lamette Al Pacino movies, which are also good. And oh,
1: yeah. he's just <laughs> He's wonderful. He's you know, he got to be Al Pacino for a reason. Nowadays we think of him as almost a caricature of himself, but when he tries and back when he was trying, he is uh like no one else on the screen. He just has, he has an energy that can only be rivaled by Jack Nicholson, which is a very good and point.
2: I, and and the thing that I was just thinking about is, you're true, you think about Nicholson. People think Nich- Nicholson is a caricature of himself. De Niro, another one. Pacino, that now people are like, oh, you know, they just phone it in. They play the same role every time. Go back in the 70s, watch the Godfather movies, watch Dog Day Afternoon, watch The Deer Hunter watch uh 5 easy pieces watch one floor of the cuckoo's nest these are masters of their craft yes and yeah. in the 70s it's when they were building the de Niroisms and the Pacinoisms and the Jack Nicholson-isms, all their little quirks that they have this is the decade that just exploded yeah. for that
1: as we were talking about before the show it was the decade and a half after the breakdown of the studio system, but before Star Wars came out, really and influenced and changed the direction of filmmaking towards a more like money centric sci-fi fantasy action adventure mm-hmm. trope. Mm-hmm. But no, you you like Dark Day Afternoon is a very successful film, and it's a, about it's like twelve scenes that take place in a bank during a robbery, and it's as electrifying today, forty years later, as it was back then. And uh, it's just a very different mindset in making films. You just you had to you had to, they were grittier, they were raw, you know, especially especially the New York films. They were New York was a terrible place to live. The entire you know the seventies were
2: and in the seventies was the least glamorous place. Yeah.
1: Far cry. Nice. We are now we are now more expensive than Manhattan to live in. Fun like fact, so come on down. We'd love to have you. <laughs> love to have you. Uh, I have. I think I've only ever seen this movie once before, which is a, no, is, this is a, cry, it is a crying shame. I I just caught it. I think I, re- I think I literally rented it from the video store as a VHS when I was in high school. This sounds like one of those films. I oh. was just like browsing, like, "Dog Day Afternoon." Hey, Al Pacino. We all go through an Al Pacino phase as a dude. You just like, oh, you of course I'm gonna watch this. And uh, watched it, loved it. I think I think maybe I didn't quite understand like why is everyone loved this movie so much. But uh, I can I have to say time has uh, has tempered my uh, my opinion on that, and I do get it now. I very much understand what people are are, are thinking when they talk Dog Day Afternoon and put it up there with the uh, with the uh, the great um, the great films, and certainly the great Al Pacino films indeed well dog the afternoon was in a pretty tough years the 48th annual academy awards 1975 we've already discussed the winner there which one flew over the cuckoo's nest but we are going to take a very short break and discuss the awards that dog the afternoon won and was nominated for that year so please stick around
3: literacy is the ability to read as well as to write The literate gentleman I now introduce began reading aloud to his blind grandfather, Senator Thomas Gore of Oklahoma. He began writing professionally at the age of 19. When the first of his 23 volumes was published, not only has he contributed um, those, but also many things to films, television, library stacks, and academia. He has continued to read aloud with as much panache as any platform performer. The number one bestseller in the bookstores right now is his newest work, 1876. That's the title, not the price. (laughs) He is the essence of literacy in our time. And with pleasure, I give you Gore Vidal.
0: We are often told how lonely the life of a writer is, but we're never told how unlonely the life of a screenwriter is. To survive, the screenwriter must daily, hourly, cope with the megalomania of his director, the hysteria of his producer, and the passion of his star. To my prejudiced eye, the screenwriter is the unsung hero of the movies, the Saint Sebastian of the La Brea Tar Pits, <laughs> and I am happy to be here to do him honor. The nominees for the Best Original Screenplay are, Ferrigo Fellini and Tonino Guerra for Amarcord, Claude Lelouch, and Pierre Uterhoven for And Now My Love. Frank Pearson for Dog Day Afternoon. Ted Allen for Lies My Father Told Me. Robert Town and Warren Beatty for Shampoo. And the winner is Price Waterhouse. Uh, Frank Pearson for Dog Day Afternoon. Unfortunately, Frank Pearson cannot be here tonight. I have been told that I must accept the award, so speaking as if I were Frank Pearson, I want to thank Sidney Lumet and particularly his wife Gail for making this possible. We have discussed the
1: 48th Annual Academy Awards at length on this show, and we will probably discuss... All of the nominees, and then some later on as time goes on. But right now, Dog Day Afternoon was nominated for, I believe, six Academy Awards in one. One. So what were they? What was it? What did it? What was it nominated for?
2: It was nominated for Best Original Screenplay, Best Picture, obviously, Best Director for Mr. Sidney Lumet. What was? Best actor for Al Pacino, best supporting actor for Chris Sarandon, and best film editing.
1: And it did win one of those. Now, which one was it?
2: Best original screenplay. Yes, for
1: Frank Pearson, who also wrote uh, *Cool Hand Luke*. Uh, which
2: great screenplay? Great,
1: great screenplay. Nominated. And uh, was this, was it the third, the second, or third version of *A Star Is Born*? Third, um
2: right. my guess is it would be the second one because i think the third one was the one with barbara streisand and chris christopherson and, and i'm not sure when that one came out this was 75 so there's a chance it came out in the early 70s
1: right but a star is born is playing during this movie which so i said so the movie takes place during 72 you can see it on a uh, on a movie marquee as they're setting the stage as it were at the beginning and it's I, I know they They just keep re- remaking it. I think they're going to remake it again with...
2: Four um, times. Is, Lady you know. Gaga and Bradley Cooper.
1: I feel conflicted about that because you don't need to remake it, but, oh, that sounds, that's good casting.
2: But Why they make... always cast it with good people because you figure the Judy Garland, James Mason one was a remake. I mean, and that that's like the one that people right. remember.
1: But, you know, they remade Scarface. I think, I think the Scarface we know is, I think, the third Scarface or something. Yeah. Because there was a silent one and the black one. Is, you know, everything old is new again. That
2: was supposed to be really good, too. But again, they made it completely different, and that is what works.
1: Yes. But. So
2: the totally changing it, and Al Pacino was in it.
1: Yeah, Al Pacino's in a lot of things. A lot of things. Uh the mid '70s was I like I like. It seems like it was basically Sidney Lumet's golden, uh golden time. Let's see, what does he got? He's got Serpico, Murder on the Orient Express, Dog Day Afternoon. Follows that up with Network the next year what? because of course he does. Equus Which is a movie Wiz.
2: we talk about every
1: single. Oh podcast. yeah, we 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 name drop that at least at least once though. So. Once. So. Once because a it's a perfect film. It's so great. It's so great. Equus, he he directed The Whiz, directed the great movie, The Verdict. It's like
2: he's oh, Verdict is a great movie.
1: It, it, it really is. And he got his he got a start in television. His first movie, his first like actual movie for theater, 12 Angry Men. Like, I just like you, that is how you announce yourself. <sighs> You're like, I'm just going to I'm gonna, make this incredible, incredible play turn it's into a like, movie. It's- it
2: reminds me a lot of um, Mike Nichols, that Mike Nichols did all that stage work. And then his first movie was Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf? Yeah, which is very stagey, but that it, it, he played not- to his strengths. And 12, exactly. And 12 Angry Men is one of those, oh, how did that not win Best Picture? And then you realize it lost to Bridge on the River Kwai. So you're like... Like, uh, okay, I'm trying like, to get I get that. That. it. I get but it. I get it. But it's 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 a movie that I mean Henry Fonda at his best and Lee Jacob. Come
1: it's, on. Yeah, it's Come it's on. pretty it's pretty good. But despite all of that, what did Sidney Lamette never get? Best director, An Academy, Academy Award? award there's like...
2: and none of his movies and none of his movies ever won best picture that bothers me because there's a lot of great directors that never won but like their movies have still won best picture like alfred hitchcock you know he won for rebecca which you know it's not a it hitchcock the... as we think of it but at least he had that win but cindy lumet really it's because he always came out the years that there were other really really the strong movie. movies like 1976 with taxi driver Rocky,
1: Rocky. yeah, there it's. It I think it is a. It it, sometimes I like to believe it is a testament to the strength of the other films, but also I also I think a lot of times people just go, "Oh, it's Cinelemet. We'll just get him next time. We'll get him next time because he's cranking out great movies. He's, uh, he's I think he's one of the the He's the director you hire when you want to get something on time or 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 ahead of schedule and way under budget. The man is. Just efficient as all hell with his uh, with his directing, his staging, everything. He and he
2: doesn't require big crazy sets.
1: No, no. He he. Most of his movies are tightly confined, which makes them great. Like Twelve Angry Men, I think he just basically shot all of them individually and then just edited it and then just pieced it together. Fascinating, and it works so well. You don't really need to have all of them in the same room. It's he is a very underappreciated.
2: Yeah, because he's that good. He doesn't need the razzle-dazzle. This is not – it's a gritty movie, and it's a very realistic movie. But it's not an overly violent soundtrack, score-swelling-in-the-background no, kind of no. movie. No, And I think it's a deceptively simple movie, which is why I think a lot of people – oh, it doesn't seem like a quote-unquote difficult movie to make because he's not showing you – his fancy acrobats, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's he, yeah.
1: He, he, his fancy
2: he shoot movies like that. Yeah.
1: His fancy acrobats are Al Pacino, John Cazale, Charles Durning. He, 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 has, <laughs> he has, his actors are his greatest special effect. I and mean, we have Al Pacino top of the game. You have arguably one of the greatest special effects in cinema, especially during the seventies. Speaking of this was Pacino's fourth consecutive nomination, uh, 73 to 76. Um, Godfather. Part two, Serpico. This. I, I, okay. I'm 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 bad so at this.
2: When we talk about the Godfather, I will be putting this argument in. He should have been nominated for Best Actor for the Godfather. Over yeah. Marlon Brando. Over Marlon thank Brando. you. I said it. Feel free to tweet and. Okay. be mean.
1: Yeah. But, uh, th- yeah. The
2: main character. But <laughs> you
1: can you just, just feel free feel free to attack her for that. His fourth consecutive nomination. He would ultimately be nominated eight times, winning only once for *Scent of a Woman*, which, which I I enjoy. Pacino's performance. The movie itself is very. Yes. It's it's a little it's a little weak, but you know he he killed his his speech at the end. Classic Pacino. The tango. Burn it down. Yeah, the tango. The tango is great. Wow. Fun fact. Fun fact, Something I didn't realize. Uh, *Scent of a Woman* came out in ninety two. He has not been nominated for an Academy Award since. It's like he won and then just stopped getting roles that would get him a nomination, which is madness. Even, even De Niro, even De Niro was, nomin- had, was nominated at least once in the last twenty years, at least you know for *Silver Linings Playbook*. I'm I believe. Trying
2: to think, I'm trying to think of what else he, he's done. He was good in, and he's had good roles though.
1: He's had, he's had some good roles. He, he's, he's become a. Become a supporting character. I think he was in the uh, Ocean's Thirteen. He plays a lot of like when you need the like a, a short cameo from like a respected actor, you get you get you get him to come in. But he's,
2: surprised he's, he wasn't nominated for The Insider.
1: Yeah, sorry,
2: that more, was more, a every,
1: everybody movie. needed to be nominated for The Insider. That movie is uh, incredible. I I wish he was nominated for Heat. But then again, I love Heat and I think everybody should have been nominated for for Heat, including Val Kilmer and yeah. But uh yeah, it's fun it's just weird that Pacino you know I guess I guess when we do think of Pacino, we do think of Pacino from the seventies and not currently. Or when we think of him currently, we're like, God, wasn't he great in the seventies? That was something and he just Because hasn't...
2: we think Scarface, Godfather, Dog Day Afternoon. Mm.
1: Some of us think cruising. I don't He's know, gotten...
2: maybe Think about his career, though. He has – think of all the iconic lines that people constantly quote. He has been the originator of so many of those lines. Say hello to my little friends. Oh, Every single line in The Godfather is a classic, iconic line. Yeah, he's really I know big. it's you, Fredo. You've broken my heart. I mean, he got to say all those great, great lines and make them iconic. And that's really cool to be able to say that. Mm-hmm. It is at pretty- the end of your career. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. It it just some actors they you know they have the the intense beginning which uh, Pacino did and they, they they sort of coast along at the end. I just wish he had more of a like a solid. He was like DDL. He was O'Toole, where like everything is a winner, man. You know, it just like pick better roles. Like you're Al Pacino, you can pick better, You can pick whatever roles you want. You don't have to be in a film called Righteous Kill. You can you can just do whatever. I,
2: I think he's choosing different parts though. He did. Uh, I watched in college, looking for Richard, which was sort of a documentary about actors performing Richard III. Hmm.
1: Okay, yeah, he he does it. He was
2: in. He does, and he does a lot of stage stuff. So, but yeah, like I does. said, I think The Insider was the last movie that I saw where I was like, wow. wow
1: right? Yeah, he is actually an E. O. T. Winner. He's won an Emmy and Oscar and a Tony. Uh, I feel like he could do a spoken word album. And he'd win do Grammy, an do an audiobook, and he'd he'd win that. I know. Yeah, he's done television work. He was great in the HBO version of Angels in America as Pride oh Walter. My Just God. incredible. He's
2: done all the HBO stuff. You're right. He did the Caborgian movie. He uh, played Phil Spector. Oh
1: yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. So
2: Angels in America. Oh yeah, yeah. I totally, So, if he, so yeah. If he's
1: not on the big screen, he's on the smaller screen. But he's
2: you on know, on HBO. yeah, on on HBO. Lots of great parts.
1: Oh yeah, those are those are
2: uh, Sink your teeth. Joe Paterno.
1: That's right. Oh my god. He's winning
2: lots of Golden Globes.
1: He is, or 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 like or Emmy nominations and whatnot. Thank you
2: for reminding me because I was like, no, he has been working and he has been getting like vast. Folks at home, watch Angels in America, directed by my boyfriend Mike Nichols. It's so good. Is it, how many boyfriends do you have? Do we have to tell your husband? No, Mike, Mike, Nichols Mike Nichols is, is, is the is boyfriend. Like it's like a legit boyfriend. Like when he died, people called me and were like, I'm sorry. And they did the same thing with my boyfriend, Peter O'Toole. See,
1: you have oh, so, did they die, wait, did, Were they both boyfriends at the same time? or? They were. Oh. Per- okay. Well, you know, different area codes. It's fine. Yes. It's fine. Uh, one person that never we never talk about we've not been able to talk about really except in the deer hunter episode is john kazale uh you might know him as frito from the godfather and you want to know a fun fact he appeared in only five feature-length films before he died of lung cancer at the age of 42 and uh of all of those five films all five were nominated for best picture and three walked away with the Academy Award for Best Picture. Godfather, Godfather 2, Deer Hunter. Uh, that gives him, uh, I am pretty sure, the highest uh, Academy Award winner appearance rate of any actor in history. Sure. And if you want to be get technical, he appears in archival footage in The Godfather Part 3, which was also nominated for Best Picture in 1990. So uh, John and uh
2: Love of Meryl Streep. He's the reason she was in the. I mean, and he's such an odd-looking person. So, I can't imagine and Meryl. So- St-
1: and Meryl Streep in the seventies is, let's be real, stupidly gorgeous. She's
2: oh her uh, cheek.
1: Oh my. Oh my God! I I, I watched a Deer Hunter. I was like, this is is this Meryl Streep? I'm used to older, mature Meryl Streep, but she is
2: with an accent,
1: just, just beautiful. But uh yeah, great. The great love of Meryl Streep's life. Which is, which is crazy because, yeah. you know, he's, nasty, but he's, but... uh, he was a very respected theater actor. He brings an intensity in this, this, um, who's the guy from Casablanca? The, the, this, this, the Claude Rains. Claude Rains. He, he reminds me of Claude Rains a lot. Just this weird, like kind of weird face.
2: He is. He's in, in a weird voice and he always plays a wanker. He's always like, he a, a he's, word. he's the Fredo and the deer hunter. He's. The one guy that doesn't go to Vietnam, and he's just an ass. Yeah. So, oh, yeah, like, man. he always plays this wormy. Well, I
1: mean, he he know, he knows his strength, and he 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 knows he, what he, he knows what he looks like, and they're like, I'm I'm not going to be the 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 romantic hero. I'm going to be the the guy who gets shot in the face at the end.
2: But <laughs> you hear, but you hear like Meryl Streep and Al Pacino talk about him, and they're like. Um, I mean, he was just the greatest thing ever. I mean, they are to be admired that much by like that crew, those
1: guys. Says yeah. a lot. Yeah, uh, and uh, that, I, he wasn't. He wasn't nominated uh, for this. I, I. It's one of my favorite roles of him. But you know, he doesn't have that that many roles. uh criminally underappreciated, <laughs> appreciated actor, and taken way too soon. Died of lung cancer at age, age of forty two. Uh, what we could have had if he had, uh, if he if he had been able to, if he had lived. If, um, Lost to Hollywood and the acting community entirely. And finally, on 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 actors nominated, I will I will I do love to get to say, Academy Award nominee Prince Dick. And on that note, we are going to take a short break, and when we come back, we will finally discuss Dog Day afternoon.
4: Are they on the phone now? Yeah, that's great. Leon. You know, that's really terrific. You talk to me with them on the phone. That's really smart. Well, I don't have a choice. What do you mean you didn't have a choice? Well, what am I supposed to do? I mean, they're, they're standing all around me. There's 7,000 fucking cops all around me. Who's on the phone now? Look, don't lay it on me. I'm not laying it on you. But you you knew that was going on, right? What are you talking about laying it on you? You knew what was happening, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't, uh, I didn't have a on choice. The, I right? wanna, who's on the phone now? Moretti? Moretti, is that you on the phone? Hello? Was somebody talk to me? Somebody going to talk to me or what? They on the phone now. They won't talk to you. All right. He didn't do it, okay. He had nothing to do with it. All right. Now we get the fuck off the phone. Are they off the phone? Yeah. All right. That was terrific, Leon. I really uh, convinced them. That's what they wanted to know, right? Did I do it for you or what? Yeah. Yeah. Thank. Thank you okay. very much. So now what? What are you gonna do? Well, I thought, uh, I thought that I would go back to the hospital. You know, they're, they're, they're really nice there. I mean, they're, they're, they really seem like they're trying to help me. So then that's good, then, might You found something. Yeah, well, I, I don't know if I have or not. So are you going to still have the operation? Yeah. Yeah. So then what, do I, what am I supposed to say to you? Thanks a lot, and, uh, bon voyage. Yeah, right. See you sometime. Yeah, I'll see you in my dreams, huh? Right, I'll write so long. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't know, you know, life's so funny. You said a mouthful, sweetheart. Well, goodbye, huh?
1: Amy, let's catch people up who might not remember what is Dog Day Afternoon about.
2: Al Pacino needs to rob a bank to get money to pay for his wife's sex change operation. Mayhem ensues. Yes,
1: mayhem does ensue. What was supposed to take? <laughs> what was supposed to be a ten-minute robbery became a national news story, an eight-hour hostage standoff with. Uh, Lots of mayhem. There's pizza. There's uh. Oh, there's just lots. Of, there's just lots of good. There's lots of good stuff on here. You know what I really like about this movie, and I've started to appreciate this. I think I've mentioned this before in in other movies. This movie does not fuck around. It. No. You have you have a little setup where the credits are playing, and you see you see Brooklyn and whatnot, but then it just. We're, we're, at the, we're at the bank right We're at the robbery. We do not know who these people are. We don't know why they're doing it. We're given very little information. We are essentially, what Lament and Pearson, the writer, are doing is essentially making us the tellers, making us the audience who is actually watching this. We're the
2: people happen. at the bank.
1: We're the, we're the, we're the, we're the people at, at the bank. And I, I love a movie that about a bank robbery that just says, you know, we'll just fucking do the bank robbery. We don't need... Let's not have the... Oh, he's... You know, his wife is... His, one of his wives is this terrible Brooklyn stereotype, and his other wife is this dude who's, a, for the time, a, probably a terrible stereotype of a transgendered person. No. We are just going to have the bank robbery. And we'll fill in all the details later. What do you... What do you like what like what is your opinion on, on that? Did you ever feel disoriented by what was going on? Or were you ever did you ever ask yourself, like, why are we robbing this? Like what's like what like what's my motivation here? What why are they doing this?
2: Never. I never felt that way. And I feel as you were talking about it, it just like came into my brain. It seems I think like Quentin Tarantino possibly could have been inspired by this because he opens some of his movies with crimes like pulp fiction yeah and and reservoir dogs where they're all just kind of sitting and talking and then all of a sudden they like pull out a gun and they're like robbing someplace but there's none of that either right there's no okay guys uh we're getting ready to go in and i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna do that they just go and they do it and so you're like oh and you don't expect it so soon in the movie you have to know going in that it's about a bank robbery because that's
1: it's on the poster it's like it happened happened three years earlier you you know
2: so you know it's going to be that but you expect them maybe before they go in and oh they're going to plan and this is it and this is that and this is this there's none of that and i love that choice
1: yeah and it's
2: and it also very quickly starts to fall apart, and you're like, what? Yeah. And then as you get pulled in, then the information is revealed to us. Yeah. Which keeps it interesting because there, no one's killed. Well, During the, in the bank robbery. Yeah, in the bank robbery. True. It's not – you know what I mean? So – it's revealed very well, and it keeps the pace very well. Considering there are long stretches of time where not a lot is "quote unquote" happening.
1: Right. Yeah. It's it 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 deals out its information in a in a near perfect manner because knowing all the motivations up front, you would start to feel fatigue, especially during the the slower moments when it's just. Them basically shooting the shit in the in the in the bank,
2: doing the kicks and stuff. Yeah, the yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Doing, doing the military kicks. Just, just, just them, them, them adapting to the situation. But here, you when the, when you when it, you you meet Leon, when you meet Chris Chris Sarandon, who is Al Pacino's wife, as it, as it were, in the, in the in the gay community. You go, oh, this movie just took a. Very different turn than what I was expecting because you 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 thought you met his wife and you did meet his wife. You met uh, I think it's it's Irene or, or Sheila, some other very yeah. I, Irishy or, or Italian Brooklyn-y, Brooklyn-y name. And you go, okay, so yeah, should, they're going to bring her there and it's going to be fine. But they don't, and it's this, it's this little twist. And then you start, and then they start filling in the the backstory, the character motivations, and that's what really makes it work. And that is the strength of Lamette. uh I don't think many other directors could handle that as well as he does he's shown time and time again that he is great at explaining uh moving, moving plot forward through character uh motivation and through character certainly through character speechifying good lord the man knows how to direct a speech you're holding up you're holding up fingers is that a I am
2: like like yes i like yes because I'm a- <laughs> <laughs> agreement with you i'm having physical reactions to everything that you're saying Aud- audience members at home you're missing it but yes he knows and he knows how to start a movie yeah he and does. bam he does it at the beginning of the great network and there's so many moments and i wish i really wish that we could go back in time and have, i could have done the network conversation with you But when Howard Beale is on TV and he's just like, "Uh, because of this, I'm going to commit suicide and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, you're like the people in the studio who are kind of half listening to him. And they're like, what the hell did he just say? This is the same thing. It's like we're we're all at the bank and it's this hot summer day and almost, you know, an anniversary of when this episode's going to air. Yeah, I realized know. that I was like, wow, this episode could possibly air around August 22nd, but just the same ordinariness. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, what just happened? And it's not slick and it's not highly stylized. It just feels so natural. And that is what I think he's a very naturalistic director. Yeah. He brings up. A... If they're saying great Patty Chayefsky monologues, it's still yeah. very natural and it makes sense. The characters talk. The way that it would make sense for their characters to talk it made sense in networks because these were highly educated people in the news field mm-hmm. no one talks like that in dog day afternoon no no he he focuses
1: on the people in the frame you have directors say terrence malick who will he's interested in you know, painting the painting the scene it's, it's beautiful it's, it's beautiful it's beautiful but the, maybe the people aren't the the focus really of his it's usually of, like of the
2: flowers eye. the yeah, flowers it's
1: it's 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 everything else but Sydney Lamette, he he knows that we have actors they got to act i'm going to keep the 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 focus on them so you don't get many scenes outside of the bank as it were and he, and the scenes that you do you they're like in in a house, they're 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 all close. He always wants to, the barber know, he,
2: puts across the street.
1: Yeah, the barber the barber. It's really it's a it's it's very contained. You'd want to say it's almost claustrophobic, but he, the characters breathe so much life into their surroundings, and that's what I mean. That's like that's what home is essentially. It's 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 the, the place. It's a place is more than just the the walls. It's the people in there, and you get a sense of all mm-hmm. the people, and they make they make the bank they make the fbi agents in the barber shop they the the people on the street are so quintessentially new yorkers it's it's, oh. it's funny and painful at the same time to watch that that you know it's he has this great sense of where people should be in the frame and in context of the story that with the advent of computer technology and everything else, you know, Star Wars, et cetera, that came. Then, you know, two years, two years later, we started to lose the sense of. But he, all he, all he always, he, he always kept it. He always like, we have the, we have the stars. We have Al Pacino. Let's, let's, let's keep the action on him. Let's keep the camera pointed on him.
2: And but he also does such a great job kind of in, almost in the way of Cinema Paradiso with the people in the background mm-hmm. that these people probably don't even have names. But one of the scene characters that stood out so much, again, he was probably like cop number seven. When they're on the phone with Leon for oh. the first time and, you know, and Charles Durning is doing his... Oh, Charles Durning, yeah, I love him. And yeah, he's doing his thing and there's a cop in the background who's starting to laugh. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you noticed this, but rewatch that scene. Because there's a cop who's one cop. They're all kind of like,
0: what?
2: <laughs> and he's like, we got married and we had this and we had that. And there's this cop that's like, you see him cover his mouth and turn his head. and But it's not a mean mocking, let's mock the gay community. It's a very normal and human response to wait what right and
1: and this, this is not what I was expecting
2: guy. yeah and it's this one guy and it's not over the top because there's like five other faces in the frame but it's one guy and I thought that is why Sidney Lamette is a genius yeah
1: He's also they're
2: not all roaring with laughter. It's that one guy and the rest of them, you know, they're trying to listen and Charles Sterning is trying to contain the insanity and the guy ends up having to kind of like walk away and laugh and then kind of like come back and, oh, Sidney will
1: He's great. He also has this way of using the camera not just to like, okay, no, I'm going to shoot this scene. No, I'm going to shoot the scene. But he uses the camera in the way that he makes you the audience feel like you were there like like these are your eyes watching this so it has a it has a, a, a documentary feel to it mm-hmm. and sometimes you feel and sometimes you are you're, you're watching people watch the tv and it's this you have this weird sort of like meta like three or four walls of separation and yet you still you're still there. You're still you. You still get that. Lamette is like you. 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 You should be connected to this because you are here. You're. You're. You're not just an audience. You're maybe a cop we don't see who's doing this. You're a bank teller. You're somebody. You're. You're always you're going to be present to the in here. the location.
2: It's. It really is. It's. It's amazing, and I. I feel bad. I haven't seen a lot of his movies, but you know we had talked several times about. Um, emotional manipulation and how you know they use the zoom lens and the music and all that stuff and in the three movies that i've seen of his it's at the end you're like was there even music i don't think there was any music
1: in this movie uh i think think at the beginning over the credits
2: beginning over the credits but network and network is the same way because it's so gritty and real and and i'll just use the word natural again yeah
1: you don't you don't need you don't need the music when you have
2: he doesn't need any of that stuff and the supporting characters are so awesome. It's like, yes, Al Pacino obviously. But the people that worked at the bank. I mean, oh, that woman that mm-hmm. chomped on her gum with her mouth open. It's like we've all worked with that woman. Yeah. The woman who's the office manager, like the attractive woman with the jacket mm-hmm. and how she's trying to keep everybody together and the it's great like
1: Carol Kane.
2: Yeah, there. it's it's almost like an episode of The Office with these People that we all we all know we all work with. You've got the manager guy who's trying to keep everybody under control, and all of them do such a great job because they don't seem like they're acting. They seem like people at the bank.
1: Yeah, yeah. which is the which is which is the goal of an actor. So Sunny and Sal Al Pacino and John Sal they roll up into the bank with their buddy, and <laughs> the from other- like literally from the word go things start to go wrong. Uh what's the first thing that goes wrong? And then and then, and then what are what are some of the other things?
2: Oh god, when they get the guns out and the one guys like and they're they're there. They have everybody at their attention. They've got their guns and the th- again the thing that I love about it is these are not um Quentin Tarantino slick. They've all got their sp- slick speeches ready to go. You know what I mean? They're like what 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 do we do? And then one guy is like, I can't do this.
1: Yeah, and not He leaves during, at the beginning and of a leaves. robbery. And
2: Al Pacino gives his first of many are-you-fucking-kidding-me faces and, and he's- he still try and hold it up and then they leave and then the money's already been picked up for the day because they got the wrong information. And the people, and I love that the people in the bank are like, "Did you plan this at all? Like, you're an idiot. Right. Who gave you your information?" And he's still clutching the gun, and he's like sweating and shaking. And... Yeah, you could
1: you 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 could feel you could feel the heat and the desperation. He's like he's clearly in over his head. But that's what makes Sunny, I think, so likable. For, for starters. He's al Pacino, and you have to like al Pacino. Yes, a uh, second he's he's not Danny Ocean, he's not the professional con man that you see he's He's a dude who thought like I need to I need to get my my wife a sex change operation. let's rob a bank. let's 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 do that." and he, he just goes like, okay, uh, according to the article, I believe it was mentioned that he saw the guy saw the Godfather. The just the like the morning of and says so, mm-hmm. all right, I'm just gonna rob a bank hilarious because Al Pacino's in The Godfather and then he just he just like yeah right. he gets two of his buddies together and they go and they go rob a bank and as you say mayhem ensues but it's this you know we get a lot of you know we do get the Danny Oceans we get the guys who are slick who are smart who are intelligent and
2: so good looking and so,
1: and- so good looking cool and then you have these two schlubs who are you and me. I like I have often fantasized about robbing a bank, I will admit. And most the, you know, and now I realize I'm like I, I would I would I would absolutely end up like Al Pacino just going, "What the fuck is happening?" Like, "All right, my buddy left the security card is you know, he's having a asthma attack. Oh, the bank manager has, is diabetic. Oh, they turned the air conditioning off. What are we going to do? And now I have these hostages. Like it's it's a gr- what? What I like is how Al Pacino—he's trying to keep it together so much, but every little thing that happens, you can just see the the seam sort of ripping, and he's just—he's—he's yeah. he's, he's losing his mind. He's like, "I can't do this anymore," and you just see this unraveling of him.
2: And he just wants to go home. You could tell he's just like, "Fuck it, let's just all call it a day." Like, "But was, he can't."
1: Yeah, it was what they—what was he they, they shooting for? Twenty-five hundred dollars. You go—is that? Is that even worth it at this point? And yet,
2: I think they didn't go overboard with trying to make them look bumbling and stupid either. He seemed just very – you know what I mean? It wasn't right. like – they weren't clowns either. No, you they, know weren't, they, I mean? they weren't
1: clowns, but they weren't bad guys either. They
4: were
1: misguided, a little yeah. bit desperate. And then, and and that's what I like because Sonny, Sonny doesn't kill anybody. Uh, he, and he doesn't want to. Yeah, and he, he he doesn't want to, and I think that that helps keep him. I think that is why America tuned into this because it came a whole a whole incident, mm-hmm. because like he's this dude. He seems very charismatic. He's very funny, and you you can relate to him because he hasn't. You know, he he's he's robbed a bank. It's like who the fuck hasn't wanted to rob? A bank? I bet mean, you've wanted to rob a bank. Yeah, like mean, I mean, wouldn't because that be? You
2: watch, and a lot of it is because you watch those slick movies. You watch Bonnie and Clyde, and they're you know, Faye Dunaway's wearing the Theodore von Runkel um, beret and these gorgeous clothes, and you know Warren Beatty at the height of his like the peak of his handsomeness, and Ocean's Eleven, and you're like, yeah, I kind of want to stick it to the man a little bit. Right. But and,
1: you know, it, it's a very it's a very American thing, and this is a very American movie. Like we, you know, we. Fetishize the the outlaw, the bank robber, uh, Jesse James, uh, Billy the Kid, and just like all those all those all those one people who just say like I'm gonna take this gun and I'm gonna shove it, I'm gonna shove it to them. Like it's it's a great thing, and it's, uh, I think this movie does have a lot of uh, great stuff to say about, or maybe not great stuff, uh, accurate stuff about um uh, about about America. What do you, what do you, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think it has anything to anything to say?
2: it yeah exactly the glorification of that all all of the things that we get most of our ideas a little bit different now than it was in the 70s because we have youtube where people are filming their crimes and that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. but where we get our knowledge of the world a lot of times is seen through film so we assume every everything's going to be slick everything's going to be you know you shoot someone they're going to die very quickly and there's not you know what I mean and all of those you're going to pull it off and then you're going to be you know hanging out in Las Vegas and you're going to look like George Clooney and Matt Damon and Claire DeLune is going to play and you're going to get off because you're just so witty and handsome and you know and Clooney does Clooney sweat in the movie? Do you ever actually see him sweat think, ever? I because he's... I
1: don't think I don't think I think he's contractually obligated to not sweat. In, in, exactly, in
2: the and and that's what, and so we think that, and yet in this, it's like you know Al Pacino and crap, my my stupid friend left, and because in reality, I'd be the guy that left at the beginning of the movie. Yeah. <laughs> in this, movie, I would be the one who's like, I can't do it. Sorry, can I get out now? Can someone open the door and let me out? Because I'm not slick. I'm not wearing the Von Runkel fabulous little dress and beret and little cigarette and a cigarette holder, like Bonnie and Bonnie and Clyde. are not
1: killing people either. Hopefully. Yeah.
2: And I don't want to do that either. So I'm more like, uh, I can't do this. Please just let me go.
1: Right. But it's, it's, it's funny. Cause we, you know, we all want to, we all, you know, as I said, mentioned many times, we all want to do it, but it's a, uh, you know, robbing a bank—that's a—it's that's a terrifying thing. Even when you know the banking system, which Sonny does, it, mm-hmm. it's still like you're, you're you're charging in there. You got a gun. You it's, it's energy. There's this a hot day. You—that's one of the things I love about it. you. This is like it's like lean esque. You feel this movie when the air conditioner comes up, You're like, okay, oh, I was I was, dr- I was drinking water through this movie. I was looking at that pizza, going. Damn, Good idea. I could use some pizza right now. Yes. Wanted to call Joe's down the street, and get a Charles slice, King, but
2: you yeah. know you can, you can smell his like body odor, sweating right, yeah, in just, jacket and that shirt.
1: Charles 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 Ernie, who apparently is a uh, he's a song and dance man. He he does he's a tap dancer, a dancer.
2: He, he, you have clearly not seen uh, Best Little Whorehouse in Texas. I have not. I just you know
1: Charles Darwin. who's all he's he's always Charles Ernie's always this guy basically.
0: He's like, oh, he's you need to
2: see it because he does this song and dance in this movie where he's doing like a whole sock shoe. Mm-hmm. And he's a, big guy. he's a big guy. He's a big guy. And he's, doing this thing. And he's also like, a, he was like at the Normandy invasion. He was a D-Day. I mean, he is a badass.
1: He's a bad and a very monster. good
2: actor. He was great in this. He was great in like Tootsie. Oh yeah, yeah, he's in Tootsie. Oh my God, he's yeah,
1: very, very underappreciated. And it, what's Fair. what's what's what what I like about him is that Durning's character, the the NYPD cop, he also doesn't quite have a handle on No, nobody has a handle oh, on anything. It's... He's 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 just trying to adapt to the situation as best as Sonny and Sal. And they all, all, and all
2: just want to go home, right? That's that's all. They all, all just want to drop their guns and like. Just let him go. I want to go home. Sonny wants to go home. They all just want to go home.
1: Yeah, they want to go to, go to uh, what is it, Belize. Where, where do they want to go? Like Argentina. I can't. I can't remember. But Somewhere yeah. Itself, but every yeah. everybody has. Everybody wants to go home. Everybody wants a peaceful resolution. Except the FBI guys. You got Lance Henriksen there, who ultimately ends. James
2: up Broderick, shooting, another great actor. James
1: Broderick ultimately ends up shooting. Sal in the head at the, at the, at the end, it's, it's a, it's this weird thing of, it says that, you know, cops, robbers, they're just people who want to get, who just want to go home at the end of the day, it's hot, like, I just, just want to see my wife and kids, get back to my family, then you have the FBI, the man, like, literally, like, this is as mannish as it gets, stepping in, and like, nope, you don't get to do that. We are stepping in, and we are taking we are taking charge of this operation because bank robbery is a federal crime, and it's going to go this way, and it is the only way this can ever possibly go, and that's that. It's very um. It makes you like like a lot of times, and certainly in my old age, I want to root. I'm with the law enforcement a lot of the times Mm -hmm. because like yeah, they're. um, on order and blah blah blah, and I get it, it comes from privilege, etc etc But here I was like, man, I want, I like, I know he doesn't get away, but like, fuck, I want Sonny to get away so badly, just to stick it to these two assholes. They are terrible. I love Lance Henriksen, Henriksen but you are terrible. I hate you so much in this movie. Uh, just, to, just, yeah, just.
2: You're happy. You're happy that Sal gets killed at the end, which is strange. because I, I was happy he got killed at the end. Really, you're
1: happy. I was, I was bummed because Sal. What did Sal do? Sal didn't do, Sal didn't do anything. He was, I think he was a moody, sure, but he didn't do it. He did nothing.
2: Because he's always, like I said, he's always the clinger on. And I think it's the actor and the roles that he took. He plays... He must have been an amazing actor because you watch his movies and you really think that that's probably how he was in real life. And that's a real testament to Kazal uh, yeah. because... He will always be Fredo, the oh, loser. God. He will always be the dude, and he's not John Savage or De Niro or Walken. He's the schlub who never leaves town and acts like a little worm and just kind of leeches off everybody. Right. And the right. same thing in this. It's He's just kind of like, he holds everybody back. I did like when he was talking to the girl about smoking, and he was like, your body's a temple, and... Like god gave you this body and you should be taking care of it and she's like dude you're putting a gun at my head give me the cigarette right. and i was right. like i liked her she was really good yeah she was great and that could have been a sag best ensemble
1: yeah uh it was interesting because i believe at the time he had been diagnosed with uh, lung cancer and so it was a weird little like most of the screenplay it, w- it was written by pearson but reworked heavily by the actors and the improvisational style and
2: the deer hunter he was definitely dying by. yeah
1: yeah that that was that was, uh, he didn't live to see the deer hunter released he died shortly after filming, uh which is damn shame, but it was, it was this little this little poke at like the real world stuff that's going on with Kazal. he's like, mm-hmm. don't know, don't don't start smoking, it'll kill you because I have lung cancer I don't know why he i don't I don't know if he smoked all the time that's how he got it or going the same but anyways um. The plot centers around uh, wanting to get the money for a sex change operation for Chris Sarandon, who is Leon, uh, is Sonny's, one of Sonny's wives. The other one is Carmen. And I misspoke earlier. I said Irene, her name is Carmen. But Chris Sarandon is what I think is really the the true love of
2: Sonny. Oh, big time.
1: Sonny, big, big time. Uh, this was the 70s, 75. I think Stonewall had happened not even ten years earlier. How has this plot aged in the forty some odd years since then? Does it is it too like this is outdated? Is it still effective? Like like how does it work now with our, I like to believe, slightly more enlightened view well, on transgender?
2: As someone who was just best man at a gay wedding over the weekend. <laughs> I I I have I have opinions. Okay. I think it was actually handled really well, to be completely honest. I think it definitely was handled with respect and sensitivity. And I give a lot of credit to everybody who made that
3: movie.
2: Mm-hmm. I think Starting with Al Pacino, people now in 2018 think of a gay person and they think every single gay person is like Leon. Yeah. All of them. That all gays are effeminate, they're weak, they're limp wristed, love show tunes, whatever. They think every gay person is like that. The reason why it was such a big reveal is that Al Pacino is 100% not like that. He's Al Pacino. Right. You absolutely, even if they didn't put the ex-wife and the kids in the movie at all, and you just found out about Leon, you still would have been shocked when it came out that his wife was a man. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because he does not fit the stereotype at all. He's...
1: Well, he's robbing a bank, first and foremost. You're like, Well, don't do that. But he's not,
2: yeah. And he's... And he's not effeminate, especially, like I said, and nowadays there are people who think all gay people are Leon. Right. And they're not. I also think that, in my experience, I have met gay people like Leon. Mm -hmm. I don't think he was over the top. I think it was very respectful. And not, he wasn't playing it for laughs.
1: No. No, he And
2: that. I think that was really good, but he also wasn't playing it as a token, trying to make a statement about the state of homosexuality in the 1970s. You know what I'm saying? I think he really, as an actor, I am playing a role. This is the person that I'm playing. He wasn't trying to make any political statements, anything like that. Lamette wasn't making a political statement. He was, this is it. This is really why the guy was doing it. Right. And I feel like it was, it was treated very respectfully. And you have the one guy in the background who's laughing, but honestly, in that situation, that's very kind of a normal reaction to have, because a lot of times when you're under stress and you're, you know what I mean? You have reactions like what? He's like, he's gay. When did this happen? And even though I don't think it was played for laughs. And I like the fact that Al Pacino didn't refer to him as his boyfriend or his husband, that he said my wife. And yeah. they got married. And that they did touch a little bit on the politics. That They said he got married in a church, that a priest married them.
1: Right. That priest was later cities,
2: defrocked. And he was defrocked. But that's all that was made about it. They didn't over-sensationalize over-sens- it, anything like that. Yeah. And I feel really well job, well done, everybody in the movie. Yeah, But that's it's, just my opinion.
1: No, it's a, it's a solid it was, opinion. I don't know. I, certainly watching it the first time, and even sometimes now when Sarandon comes up and he's like, he has the little uh, like a gown on and he's holding it and he, hes yeah he's he's, looking he's, back. he's he's talking like this like oh my god Sonny, like what are you doing what, I can't I can't imagine it having known so many gay people I just wanted to like roll my eyes and go this is uh, this is stereotypical it's derogatory I'm doing research the person that Leon is based on was very much like that was entirely like that they actually come come you know, they commented. You know, uh, the the actual people said, "Yeah, that was pretty much what what she was like then." And I go, "Oh, okay." So it, so it's it's hard it's hard to wrap around. You want to because you it want wasn't it wasn't
2: birdcage,
1: right? It wasn't birdcage. Which, you,
2: which is a movie I love, but you know what I mean. But at the same time, I'm like, "Wow, that yeah,
1: we're we're yeah, we're playing playing for laughs. laughs and the stereotype." But it, it, but here you 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 just want you just want them to be. You think of the, you think of gay gay folks as just being folks who just they happen to like the person of their own their own sex. And you're like, okay, that's that's fine, whatever. Like, it doesn't make you any different. Yeah. Like who like you're... who like who cares? But here in the '70s, you go, oh, this is different. And I guess the the view from the view forty years onward, you go, this is this is terrible, and we should not encourage encourage this because it you know. It, pushes forward a negative stereotype that they are all we you know limp wristed and whatnot but it's also but at the same time when you come when you come up against the truth of things and Lomet is going for the truth of things so I guess what I'm saying ultimately is that I came around uh to Prince Humperdinck playing uh a character like this it's I really I really liked him I really liked Leon I like their relationship. They never spend a uh, second of screen time together because they're just talking over the phone, but you can feel the love there, which is... Oh. Which, which is you, you know, And you can also feel the love he has for, for Carmen as well. And oh. it's... uh, Like, goddamn, Pacino's a good actor. <laughs>
2: yeah.
1: <laughs> That's really what comes down I'm like, fuck, he's so good. I, I can't... I, can't imagine anyone else. Uh, anyone else playing this role? He just he he does the he does the crazy stuff. He you know he gets the crowd going with Attica, Attica, and then he's on the phone for a very long take, just declaring his his love, and he's you know writing a will where he declares his love for both people, and you don't feel. One, oh, it's, it's great. And it is good.
2: genuine, and when they're like, oh, oh, when he says we've got Leon, but he doesn't want to talk to you, and he's like, what is he okay? Yeah. Right? You know what I mean? Because he's so. I love that he acts so human when he starts to get a taste of the power and the crowd, and he start. He does. He starts showboating a little bit, and he's like, "Yeah, like I'm in the money. I'm fake. Yeah, like i I, You know, showboating a little bit, which I think is very natural. But I like when Durning's like, "Yeah, Leon doesn't want to talk to you," and he's like, "Oh, you've got Leon on the phone? What 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 do you mean? And you know what I mean? And he instantly softens. Right and he's he's playing all 8,000 emotions and the great thing about Al Pacino one of the many things he does very well is the scenes where he doesn't say anything and there's just stuff going on all around him and you just see his, those big Pacino eyes looking around and you you see the wheels turning in his head he does this to perfection in The Godfather when he comes out of the bathroom with the gun and he's sitting at the table and the guys are talking and just the close up of his face and the wheels are turning he does that a lot in here too he he observes you watch him but you also see him kind of like crap what am I going to do now Leon doesn't want to talk to me you know what I mean? Like I'm here. I want to go home. What the hell am I gonna do? I've got Sal who is gonna, you know, probably blow someone's head up. I don't know what the hell's going on with him. I feel bad for these people. It's hot. They, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he's just like, he's under so much pressure. And as as expressive as he is, he's still, you see him trying to repress it and trying to stay in control. And all of those things are like Al Pacino. You're
1: the best, yes, he uh, he's, he's quite good. It's a very well done movie from an editing standpoint, too. It builds and builds and it, it cool it softens. And you go, Okay, now we're gonna take a moment, and then it never lingers too long on any one thing because it has to get to the next problem. It's bit, mm-hmm. what what this is, is a movie, It's a, it's a movie about problem solving. It's about figuring out what to do next in a very charged, heightened situation. And I got to say, lament makes you feel that entirely. It's the buddy, you know, the buddy leaves. You got the issue, there are issues with the keys. There's the the guard, the the bank manager. You got to, we got to come to the agreement of like our one hostage gets one thing and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's all a great, it's. That's what storytelling is. It's it's building. It's throwing problems at characters, seeing how they fix it. This is just a very heightened, very focused attempt at showcasing that because it takes place all in like probably 12 hours or so over this you know this one particular thing, and we go through the gamut of human emotions. There's sadness. There's there's uh, there's love. There's lots of intensity. There's happy There's laughter. There's even boredom where they're just hanging out in the in the bank having adapted to the situation they're like mm-hmm. well i guess we're we're here we may as well learn." show up our do...
2: gun skills yeah
1: from to, just do practice. that or start smoking because <laughs> whatever why not so they're
2: all it's... drinking tab which is so 70s i loved that that made me laugh
1: um, yeah. oh it's great and, you, know, you know getting getting pizzas delivered and the, even, the, even the even the pizza man is like Yeah, I'm famous now. Woo! It's it's,
2: which is so realistic. All of these people would have their cell phones out, and it would be all over YouTube. Oh yeah, it's uh,
1: a very humanistic approach to a bank robbery. Like, this is this is a robbery when it is stripped of all of the contrivance, of all of the cool, of all of the planning. When you just the mission impossible, the mission impossible stuff. It's just, this is this is what most robberies are. They're messy, and they don't go well, and maybe somebody dies in the end. Very sad. I I, I was sad when Sal died because I didn't think Sal deserved it. Sal, Sal seemed like a he seemed he seemed like a like a, a mad he was a bit of a mad dog, but also a bit of a dumb dog, and I don't think he deserved to go out that way. And then when it ends. Like the movie itself, the the postscript, very matter-of-fact. It's just Sonny's in jail, uh, Leon's living as a woman, and things are okay. You're like, damn, that was... And really- the
2: credits scrolls up over the action of the police cars and stuff like that. And it's just... Here's the Swiles ride. And again, there's no dramatic pullout, no swelling music. There's none of – it's like you just watched the news. right?
1: Or you were just (sighs) there kind of like sitting on the cloud watching it. Or you were just there. You feel
2: tired. You're like, man, I need to get a cold glass of water because you're sweating. You feel the humidity in the air. It is very David Lean-esque. Yeah.
1: My my one big complaint is that 285 Prospect Park West, which is the location – I live near there. No, really? no, it's not. Well, I mean, because it's not. It's a different. It, this took place in Bensonhurst, I'm in Park Slope, but like Prospect Park West, it's a very different part of the of uh, of, of the city. And it just was this was not. I was like, I I take offense at your location, Le Met, sir. But ultimately, it was, oh, it
2: was fine, look yeah. at you being off of Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah,
1: not sort of, but it's eh, a little at, precious. at this point.
2: It's a little precious.
1: It is. It is. So Amy. We're talking about 1975. I look forward to talking more about 1975. Should Dog Day Afternoon have one a pitcher that year over One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest?
2: It is a tough call. Mm-hmm. This is one of those situations where I seriously asked myself two questions. Should this have won over One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? And should who should win, Al Pacino or Jack Nicholson? And I think if I had lived back then, and even today, I really think I would have had to have like flipped a coin because I still, the One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest is a much more like triumphant film. You know what I mean? Like the end of that, you're like soaring, like you're on a high and it's a, like we said, there's no flaws in this movie. And I feel the same way with this. I feel it's just as relevant today. It didn't seem dated at all. No. Really, it didn't. They were drinking Tab, and that's about it. Right. But it was not like, oh, my God, this is, things are so different now. Still very real. Like, Brooklyn's changed. But again, those human, the awkwardness. And I liked that. I loved all of that. Pacino gives – it is. It's just as good as One floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. Do I think it's better? no but do i necessarily think one floor of the cuckoo's nest is better than this no i think if if this had won best picture i'd be like oh okay but it's one of those movies that if you ever watch this or one floor of the cuckoo's nest like you watch this and you're like how did this not win all these awards and then you're like it lost to one floor of the cuckoo's nest and you're like oh yeah, right. right and if this movie had won i'd watch one Fleur of the cuckoo's nest and be like why didn't this win again oh it lost dog day afternoon oh right you know what i'm saying
1: I do, I do. Uh,
2: so that's how I feel. I wouldn't begrudge it a win, but to say, like, oh, I would take it away from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest and Jack Nicholson, no. But if it had won, I would have been like, Mazel tov. congratulations. You are, it. this movie is just as worthy of being a Best Picture winner and Best Actor winner. I also would have considered giving um, Charles Durning a Best Supporting nod, nomination.
1: You could have you could have stacked the entire field of best supporting actor nominees with guys from this particular movie. They're all they're all great Cazale did not get one. Uh I am torn. I I think I'm largely in the same boat. Cuckoo's Nest has the triumph and that gives it a slight edge on I think sort of the uh, lastingness sort of like yep. you like we know Cuckoo's Nest we get it. We know the imagery of cuckoo's nest. Uh, Lumet's films for all of their uh, their like technical prowess. You know, not a lot of the. You know, you don't have. I, I don't remember a lot of scenes except for maybe the the Howard Beale. Uh, you know, mad and mad craziness. I'm not. I'm not, not going to take it anymore. Because his all of his movies, they're just so like. Yeah, all of that was so. They're also memorable, so like none of it becomes memorable. I don't know. It's, it's 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 a strange feeling.
2: It doesn't have the emotional payoff. I think that one flew of the cuckoo's uh, nest. Yeah, really. and I,
1: I, I think just, that's like why I it really really went over, for that
2: over Jaws. Even is that and Jaws is a perfect again. It's a perfect movie. If it won Best Picture, I wouldn't be like what that piece of crap won. Yeah. But one flew of the cuckoo's nest has the emotional payoff, and I think that's why it's ahead of the others. Yeah.
1: But as for uh, Jack Nicholson or Al Pacino, you're right. That's a coin flip. Both, these are two of their finest roles, I think, uh, in uh, two of the greatest careers in, in Hollywood. Uh, it just happens that Jack Nicholson won that year, and kudos to him. And He's won a couple. Pacino's won one. Hey, everyone's happy. Uh, I, I will give a slight. I will give a slight edge to One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest myself, but that is not to say that Dog Day Afternoon is a lesser film. It is yeah. every bit. It's great, but Cuckoo's Nest has that slightly more. We like. Uh, we like it when the dog day in Dog Day Afternoon, our our plucky anti hero, our plucky underdog heroes don't make it, and in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Sure, McMurphy doesn't make it, but one guy does, and I think that's really, that's that that's the power. That's what that's what and sets he's it. He's more sets of apart. an
2: underdog. He's more of an underdog than McMurphy
4: is.
1: Yeah, yeah. So one for the kook's nest, but you, people, you should see all see of the 1975 yeah. nominees, but especially Dog Day Afternoon because it's hot out. It is hot. I tell you, it is too hot. Stay inside. Put the air conditioner on. Watch this movie. It's great. You have been listening to the Oscar Watch Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. We love hearing from you and would love to hear your thoughts and opinions on Dog Day Afternoon. So write us at Podcast at gmail.com and be sure to follow us on social media and find Amy on Facebook where she will continue to hound me about my uh, how I, I don't like the apartment.
2: I, was, I, I felt like I'd moved on but our my much beloved yeah, our boy,
1: Michael, Hanna.
2: Michael, uh-huh. Michael. I
1: know. I thank know. you
2: so much. It Next. has been such a stressful week, and seeing that just gave me a reason yeah. to smile.
1: Next week on the podcast, we return to 2013 for a look at the best foreign language winner, The Great Beauty, which is a film I have never seen before, but I look forward mm-hmm. to it. Uh, it's supposed to be. It's supposed to live up to its name from what I hear and I uh, I do enjoy checking out the foreign language films because I don't come with come in with as much baggage as I do with all of these other movies. So And
2: getting out of the America F, yeah, and spending oh, yeah. a little time in Roma. In
1: Rome, in Italy. Hey it's very, it's very nice. Oh, uh,
2: that
1: to was to a to terrible to to accident. To I, to apologize. I
4: apologize.
1: I I apologize. So on behalf of all of us here, at Podcast. Thank you for listening. And until next time, we'll see you on the red right carpet.